The name of the show is Hitting the Mark. I'm Jeffrey Mark. And today we're talking about my friend Don Adams. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. Ego, you know, you come to a point of your life, and I've talked to a few actors, and then some of them realize that you know what is fame really? Um, am I happy with what I've done? Do I really need oodles of money to make myself happy, or the body of my work is isn't that good enough? Um, because when when it's all said and done, I have to look myself in the mirror and say, I'm I'm happy with what I've done. Do I do I need a gold star every time I do something great? Yes, <laughs> that's the answer. You know this, Ray knows this, Cindy knows this, I know this. Friends who are listening, most of us who go to work in non-show business jobs, of course there are pressures and people we don't like and bosses who demand stuff of us, but we don't really question: Do I have the right to do it? Or uh, am I going to get recognition for what I'm doing? Well, if they give you a raise, you got recognition. In show business, because it's not one job, it's one job after another. Many people consider you're only as good as the last thing you did, the last important thing you did. Heaven forfend you have a flop. Stardom rises and falls. Money rises and falls. It's not a straight path especially in comedy. Comedy is the hardest thing to do in show business because when people don't laugh, it is chilling, chilling to be on a Broadway stage or a nightclub stage and realize there's you know hundreds or thousands of people out there just breathing and not laughing. There's nothing you can do about it. A singer can change songs and yes, what if you have a sore throat? What if you're hoarse? I can't go on. There is that kind of thing with the singer. The comedians are notoriously insecure. It takes ego. It takes bravado. It takes confidence to walk out there and tell those folks what's funny. You have to believe there's going to be a reaction. That leads to a lot of nerves. And um, comedy was changing in Don's life. Don was part of the wave of the Bob Newharts and the Shelley Burnings and the Nichols and Mays and the Smothers Brothers who were doing comedy differently. It wasn't vaudeville comedy anymore. It was more sophisticated, more hip, more adult. I don't know why, and Don didn't. He didn't just go back to doing stand-up and reinvent himself as a senior comedian, as someone who's got this long track record. He didn't do that. He wanted to be an acting star. He wanted to be a movie star. He wanted, he wanted what he thought was his due, and he didn't get it. I always pictured him as a game show host. <laughs> I thought he would have been really good. I don't think Don would have liked it. It's too beneath what he thought his station was. Well, I know it's an illogical frame of mind. Yeah, but I mean, it just you know, Alex Trebek. I mean, 
know, I, I don't think that's beneath anybody. I mean, look what he did well, with his career. Uh, well, I know Alex. Alex Trebek wanted to be a game show. I mean, that was his his desire. You know, he, he completely succeeded in what he wanted. He wanted to be a broadcaster. Don did not want to be a broadcaster. Don wanted to be a Broadway star, a film star. Don wanted to be that leading man. He wanted to be William Powell and do those kinds of parts. Did he not realize he really didn't have the voice for them? No. He didn't realize that he wasn't tall enough, not that height is absolutely necessary, mm-hmm. that he just missed Missed it by that much, Jeffrey Mark said, holding <laughs> the fingers together. As far as being a, le- a good-looking leading man, he wasn't of the men in his day. He wasn't Sean Connery. He wasn't um, Paul Newman. He wasn't mm-hmm. that kind of Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Robert Redford. James Garner. Those mm-hmm. were competitors. He couldn't measure up in that way. Could he have gotten a nice film career playing character parts? Sure. Had he been young and cute in the 70s, maybe Richard Dreyfus kind of parts he could have gotten. He had the talent for that. Yeah, yeah, I don't get wrong, it. Wrong time, wrong physique. Mm-hmm. Just it just didn't work. You're you're dealt a you're dealt a hand in life. And you come to a point of your life. You realize that I'm five foot ten. I weigh, I weigh 185 pounds. I, I my voice sounds like what it sounds like, and you got to deal with it. And you have to work around that, and you have to realize that I have. We all have. I'm just speaking for myself. There's limitations. There are things I know I can't do well. Um, I'm not going to try to keep trying to do something I don't do well. I'm going to master what I can do well. Ray, you are a remarkable man who thinks logically. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that's why you're a ha- happy man. Maybe that's why you look 25 years younger than you are, because you don't stress yourself out about those negatives. Mm-hmm. But these men mm-hmm. did. I, I understand. I understand. It just it seems like somebody could have gotten to him maybe years before you met him and tried to sit him down and say, look, you're really good at this, Don. Maybe you should reconsider and try to go try something else. Perfect. He wouldn't hear of it. He wouldn't even give Bob Newhart, with whom he was friends, eventually, or Bill Dana real credit in interviews for his career. It was about him. And I could point to 20 other men I know in the comedy business who were an awful lot like him. Mm-hmm. They worked, they had stardom, they made money, and they were un with the results and they used and this is not Don specifically drinking, gambling, drugs sex to fill that hole where they felt unsatisfied and yes you're absolutely right Ray it's an absolute shame I, I look at myself I, I've been successful I've been a very lucky guy over a very long period of time. And uh, I don't ask, well, why didn't I become, I I always wanted to have my own television variety show. Well, why didn't I get that? I didn't because I didn't. 
I didn't because by the time I was old enough to have one, they didn't have them anymore. I wanted something that no longer existed. Why wasn't I a big Broadway star? Why wasn't a Jeffrey Mark in some great big musical? I did four off-Broadway shows. Should I sneer at that? No. I'm very grateful for what I have. And while I am confident in what I can do, I don't completely define myself by my career. I have children, I have grandchildren. I have people in my life that I love, including Ray and Cindy, that are important to me. I'm sitting here with them. Mm -hmm. Other people don't have that. A few weeks up from now, we're going to talk about Jack Carter, and you're going to hear very, very similar stories mm-hmm. of, of disenchantment, disenfranchisement, just enormous disappointment. And it, it is one of the real sadnesses of show business history. These incredibly talented, and Don Watts, Don was an enormously talented man. Uh, he could have been a Johnny Carson, he chose one. He could have gone on the stage. He chose not. I mean, there are choices he made that things could have gone a different way. And those of you who know what I look like, I always have a sparkly hat on my head. But I have 90 of them. I don't wear the same hat twice in a row. I keep reinventing myself. Don wouldn't do that. He had this idea. And the resentment he had against Get Smart to even discuss the show with anybody was akin to how Tina Louise feels about Gilligan's Island. Don't even bring up the subject, it ruined her career. And in a way, Don thinks that Get Smart ruined his career. Had he not gotten typecast that way, huh. he saw himself as a much better star. Well, nobody told you to take the job. Nobody told you to take what you had already done on the Bill Dana show and we're doing on nightclubs and marry it to a character like that. If Don had chosen to invent Maxwell Smart differently, play the part differently, maybe he would have been seen as more of an actor and not just a comedian who's using his stage material in a second. Choices. We make choices in life. When Don died, they had a memorial service for him at the Writers Guild Theater off of Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills. I was there, of course. Now, his son-in-law and I disagree on the details here. This is my memory of it. I have been to, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, about 20 memorial services at the Writers Guild Theater for people I deeply cared about. And they were usually packed. And in the lobby afterwards, there was food and drink and loving, sad talk. I I can't tell you off the top of my head exactly how many people the theater holds, but it holds hundreds. My memory is there weren't more than 40 people there. The son-in-law's memory is that the place was full. It was not full, but maybe I am losing (laughs) my memory because I was so shocked at what I saw. The only person who had nice things to say about Don, other than his kids, his kids did say nice things, was James Cullen. 
James Kahn and Don had become very good friends, again, around the time I did, towards the end of his life. So James was there looking ridiculously sexy, and Mm -hmm. uh, I think his arm was in a cast. I think he'd broken his arm. Uh, He had lovely things to say. In a side door comes Bob Newhart and Don Rickles. Mm. Now, Bob is notoriously shy at public events. But if there's anything going on with him emotionally, even shyer, I've seen he and Don be at these kinds of things. Other memorials, same place. And they will literally stand in the lobby, but they have them roped off like in a theater. And they have to approve you are approaching before they'll talk to you. Just that's how it is. They didn't even do the lobby thing. They came in the side door and eviscerated Don. Not funny. Just, we were very close to him at one time. He was a jerk. We stopped being close to him. Don Rickles wasn't even funny. Just, yeah, I stopped talking to him 20 years ago. He was a jerk. I couldn't tolerate his attitude, the way he treated his family, or how he treated me. And then Bob and Don walked out the side door. I didn't linger afterwards. And I thought, wow, this is so sad. The other person who did speak well of Don was Barbara Feldman, who was there, still looking beautiful. And she said to me, people don't understand how hard it was for Don to be so brilliant and well educated and have a curiosity about the world to have to play that same dumb part year after year after year. She said it just ate away at his soul, which I thought was very true, very insightful on her part, and very loving on her part. But most of those show business memorial services, there's 10 or 15 people just waxing poetic about the guy who's gone and uh, a, a real camaraderie among those who are attending that hey this is this is one of us we've lost one of us let's laugh and cry and eat and drink together there was none of that camaraderie feeling it was almost a confused event emotionally confused uh, at the afterwards there was no laughter there was no feeling of that comma. It was like everyone didn't quite know what to do with themselves afterwards. But you know what? I will never know what it felt like to be on the receiving end of Don's bad behavior. He didn't do that with me, ever. Don was wonderful to me. If he hadn't been, I wouldn't have been his friend. But I thought, goodness gracious, is this how much damage his behavior did? That this is how he's being remembered? It made me more than sad for the loss because he'd been sick for a while. I, I knew he wasn't going to make it. That loss was like, yeah, oh gosh, another friend gone. But to be so badly remembered made me so sad. This was a human being, a complicated, angry, insecure, brilliant, talented human being who let me be a part of his world and was good to me. And he picked up the check. So uh, it was just sad. The whole thing, I found the whole thing sad. Even at Pat McCormick's party back at the motion picture, 
I, I know it's an exaggeration. Everybody in show business comedy was there. But Jonathan Winters was there. Tim Conway was there. Harvey Corman was, I mean, a lot of Peter Marshall was there. A lot of big, big, big people. Jack Riley, Chuck Tan. I could go on and on and on. Don just sat there. Almost nobody went over to him. He was snubbed. And I felt bad because I was the one who had arranged for him to come outside and be a part of it with, with the nurses, to get him out there and have him sit in the sun and be a part of the group because there, there were about 75 of us at this party. He just sat there. People, I have to assume there's a good reason for it. I just never witnessed it and don't know what it is. Very sad, Jeffrey. Uh, well, not all of our visits are going to be full of laughter and joy. Sometimes when you talk about real people and their real lives, there is a sadness. Uh, the whole laugh clown laugh thing, which started hundreds of years ago, isn't just because it's a cliche. Cliches happen because these things can be true or can run true often enough that we see the pattern. A lot of comedians are very, clean up your language, Jeffrey Mark, screwed up in the head. It's why they're comedians, because they see the life as being painful and they try to laugh the way around. Well, lessons can certainly be learned for those people that are going to listen to this podcast that, you know, one must really look at what's important and be willing to be open-minded enough to look at another way. It, it is an enormous piece of good advice that I was given, oh gosh, 22, 23 years ago, by somebody who didn't like me. And I don't know why she chose to give me this advice, considering she really disliked me. But the advice was, if you want to have a long career in show business, you must keep reinventing yourself. And she used the hats as an illusion. Always change your hats. She said, You're, you have so many talents. Don't only do one. Be a singer, be a comedian, be a writer, be a radio show host, be an MC, be a lecturer, do all the different things you can. People won't get bored with you that way. And if one thing isn't paying for a while, you can lean on the other. Uh, this was a wife of a very famous comedy writer. Uh, if it was a celebrity, I'd give you the name. That was the best advice I've ever given. I think you mentioned her before. Yes, but I don't think Don could do that. Well, the he thing is, maybe he could, but he didn't want to. I don't know if he could. You know, remember Don? Don is of my parents' generation. Don was a Depression-era kid. It's a different mindset. These people... The Shelley Bermans, the Jack Carters, Don, other people I've known in the business who are unhappy. Their, their starts in life were different. Their culture was different. Their, the show business was different for them than it was for me. Just like what I mentor young people now. And the opportunities I had aren't there for young people anymore. The show business has changed. And the realities have changed and the culture they bring have changed. So I don't know that people in Don's era 
new to change hats, new to, to be pivotal. Oh, you can't go this way, pivot that. I don't think that was a thing back in the show business. You had the thing you did well, that's the thing you stuck with, and that was your image. And you stuck with the image because that's how people thought of you, and you fed into the image. Now, you can be someone like Lucille Ball and go, you know what? I like the Lucy character. I don't mind playing her for the rest of my life. And didn't really care that she wasn't perhaps tapping into every single part of what she could do. Then there are people like Don who really resented it. Well, it's hard for me to feel sorry for him when he said that opportunity. Um, and millions of us will never get that opportunity. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed his work, but I can't. And I thoroughly enjoyed him as a person. Sitting at a dinner table or a lunch table with him, he was funny. He was very witty. He said things extemporaneously that were very, very funny. I personally found him warm. For some reason, he chose to be warm with me, but I observed him being cold others, snippy with others, bitchy with others. Uh, I don't react to him that way because he doesn't do it with me. I give him what he gives me, which was warmth and humor and support. Uh, he felt I was talented. He felt I was funny. He was comfortable in my company, comfortable enough to, to share a lot of very personal things with me. Um, the story about the affair and the travel is something I'm willing to share publicly. There's other stuff I won't talk about. It's personally to Don. You know, we're, we're all different things to different people. If you brought in anybody who knew him who's still alive back. No, Jeff, bring in the dead people who knew him. Yes, the people who are still alive today who knew him, you'd probably get very, very different answers to your questions and very different reminiscences. I can only bring mine. Right. Well, it's been very interesting, though. I mean, I, there's a lot of things about him I didn't know, and I'm glad that you were able to, you know, share a lot of it with us and the audience, uh, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Hitting the Mark. My name is Ray Carr, along with Cindy Verblin and the star of our show, Jeffrey Mark.